Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Flex. This is Joe Howie, joined today by Peter DiBiase. Unfortunately, Matt St. Jean is unavailable tonight. So, Peter, a former friend of the show, former fellow uh, commentator for WDOM Sports at PC, has back on. Peter, how you doing? I'm doing good tonight, Joe. Appreciate you having me on. It's, I've been on a couple times before. It's always a blast talking some Friar basketball. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for coming back on. Um, before we get into this, I have a quick ad read for everybody. This season, we've teamed up with SeatGeek to get you the best deals for tickets to your favorite teams. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, and they're here to give you some great deals. Get in on the fun and head over to SeatGeek, download their app, and use the code NCAA Hoops Digest for $20 off your first purchase. I know I actually just use SeatGeek to get tickets to the PC at St. John's game at Madison Square Garden. Um, looking forward to that one. Another ad read for you guys. This podcast is presented by House Enterprise and in part with House of College Hoops. Head over to our site, house-enterprise.com for more info. As you can see, Peter, I am currently wearing my Flex branded vest today. Um, got this at the House Enterprise site. If anybody's looking for some Flex merch, head on over, house-enterprise.com. Show the Flex some love. Wear it to the amp. You know what to do. Um, so obviously... Peter, we're coming into this one. The Friars are 3-0 in their past three games, having defeated DePaul at home, Butler at home, and most recently Villanova on the road. We haven't had an episode of the Flex since then, so Peter, want to get your uh, your thoughts on this, this past three-game winning streak by the Friars. Well, I thought it was a much, much needed three-game winning streak. They came off that two-game skid against Marquette and against Creighton, and obviously both games were on the road, and we know beating ranked teams – on the road in the Big East is virtually or almost impossible. So you can, I guess you can cut the, the team some slack. And obviously Jared Bynum wasn't playing, so you can cut them even a little bit more uh, slack. But the DePaul win that I was on call for, as well with the Butler win, um, much-needed wins against two teams that are obviously not on the same par as the Friars, and you're at home. So those are two games you kind of had to have, and there was no excuses. Going into Sunday at Villanova, there's a little bit more of – uh, 50-50 in my opinion because you're playing at Wells Fargo. It was a, basically a sold-out Wells Fargo center. Nova, obviously, they're 10-10, and not having their best year to date, obviously coming off that Final Four run, but they're still super talented. They still have a couple starters coming back from that team, and they had Justin Moore, who made his debut, who did play in 31 minutes, which I didn't expect him to play that many minutes, but he did play 31 minutes. So I thought that Villanova looked a lot better. Uh, mainly on the defensive end, and they've still been a very good defensive team this year. They've struggled offensively, but the Friars' ability to make shots, especially key shots, and credit to Jared Bynum, who came off the bench with that spark and kind of poses the question, maybe he should stay off the bench and keep coming off the bench <laughs> because he seems like a total different player when he's coming off the bench. But I also thought in the second half, the Friars' defense for about five to seven minutes were really suffocating, and that kind of got them the lead back, and they never let uh, – Never let the lead go. So at the Wells Fargo, I know it's not Nova of the past or Nova last year, but it's a needed win because you kind of steal one on the road in the Big East, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like the way you, you put that. You steal one on the road. Um, you know, you're right. This isn't a Villanova team that we've seen from years past, but it's still a road game nonetheless. And, you know, Ed Cooley always likes to say that when you play on the road in the Big East, you enter the building down seven to ten. I think going and playing at Wells Fargo Center on the same day that the Philadelphia Eagles are playing in the conference championship, uh, you know, you go in there down 20, really. You, you, you've got a rowdy crowd. They're excited to watch their birds play. 
Justin Moore's back in the building. You know, all signs were pointing towards Villanova. And that's really how it felt, uh, you know, out of the jump there is that Villanova came out hot. They scored on the five of their first seven possessions. I think that stat is. And, you know, although he wasn't necessarily stuffing the stat sheet, I thought Justin Moore's presence was certainly felt. I think most importantly, he freed up guys like Cam Whitmore to really have, you know, a, a career scoring day. Whitmore was fantastic. You know, he's a really talented player. And this is actually the first time that I watched him for a full 40 minutes. Um, you know, I've tuned in to bits and pieces here and there, but this is the first time I've actually watched him. He's really good. You know, he's got a lot of raw talent and having Justin Moore on the floor takes some of that defensive attention away from him. Fortunately for on the Friars end, though, we also had Jared Bynum back. And unlike Justin Moore, Jared Bynum was a microwave off the bench. Obviously, you know, 17 of his 19 points came in the second half. Peter, wanted to get your your, your thoughts on this. Jared Bynum, you know, from three-point land, from scoring, from dishing the ball out, you know, what do you think was the most important factor that he brought to the table in the second half? I think it's easy to say the three-point shooting, you go three for four, that's nine points right there on four shots. So I think you, that's an easy answer, and most people go with it. And then the passing. I think it's the five assists, and it's not even an assist for me. It's the true point guard nature that Jared Bynum does for the or gives the Friars. Look, you have Alan Breed, who I think from time to time has been a very underrated player this year for the Friars, but I think most people would say he's not a true point guard. Um, Devin Carter has been really good this year. He is not a true point guard. Neither is Noah Locke. We all know that. And then Jaden Pierre is – he can give you that spurts. I think it was against Butler that he had like four assists and like five possessions or whatever the number was. But he also comes in in a little um, sugar high, and he just comes in running around, and he's a little crazy. And he's a freshman, and you can get that. And then Corey Floyd's not a point guard. So you honestly, for this season, you have, in my opinion, one true ball hand or one true – uh, pass first point guard, and that is Jared Bynum. I just think he sets the table for the offensive uh, sets for the Friars so much better than anyone else does. And it's like you can say it's a three point shooting, and he was great. But his five assists, his I think you saw the flow of the offense kind of pick up a little time to time. The Friars kind of gets uh, stalled out on offense, and they're lucky they got Bryce Hopkins who can make a shot. He can go get a bucket whenever he wants. It's like when Bryce Kyle was here or Chris Dunn, yep. where the offense stalls out. Okay, Chris Dunn, who's an NBA player, can go get a bucket. Bryce Hopkins, who's eventually going to be an NBA player, can go get a bucket. And Devin Carter has done that from time to time. So I think having Jared Bynum, a guy that can also score the ball, but his most important uh, part of his game for the Friars is his ability to set the table and get the offense in rhythm. Yeah, all really great points there. I really like the point you made about late shot clock playmaking. Um, Whether it's him or whether he's finding a teammate, I think Jared Bynum, does what we saw Kyron Cartwright do a lot is if you know you're sub 10 sub 15 seconds on the shot clock for whatever reason the play fell through Jared Bynum's not afraid to tuck the ball like a running back and take it to the rack and I think that is really important obviously we saw that that dagger that turnaround jumper on um on what's his name that sent Cam Whitmore flying it it was very Luan Pipkins-esque uh Woo Pipkins but no, you're right. You know, Jared Bynum has the ability to to take the ball in his hands and make something happen late in the shot clock, which is something I think that the Friars severely missed in his absence. And all the credit in the world goes to Alan Breed and Jaden Pierre, who really juggled the point guard responsibilities while Bynum was out. But like you said, Pierre is a freshman and Alan Breed is, is a combo guard at heart. So you really, you know, it's a heavy pressure to put on those two guys, especially when you know, Jared Bynum has been so ingrained in this offense for the past three, four seasons now. So definitely 
props to those two, but certainly happy to have Jared Bynum back. No, 100%. Yeah, and I think, I don't know what is, I guess minutes are coming into Xavier on Wednesday. Look, he played 24 minutes. Do they keep him off the bench? I'm the advocate for keeping him off the bench. Yeah. In my opinion, it doesn't really matter. I, I clearly said this multiple times when I've been in press conferences this year. It doesn't really matter who starts. I know he, all the players like who starts. For him, it doesn't matter. It matters who finishes, yep. which in theory, he's obviously 100% correct there. So I think Jared Bynum might want to come off the bench. Well, three minutes into the game, the offense is stalling out. Go get Jared Bynum in the game. He's still coming off the bench. It might be a little earlier. And in that might that might be his thing. Maybe he likes coming up the bench. We saw last year he was the reason he was picked to be first team all biggies uh, at the point guard position is because he was so good, but he was coming up the bench. We obviously we saw his struggle, and it was mainly his ability to not make shots in this first half of the season, mainly mainly non-con play. Um, and he was starting and he was playing a lot of minutes and he was kind of taking that added role of playing that true point guard. I think he's done a great job of playing that true point guard, but obviously the shots need to fall. So you, maybe you keep him off the bench. Well, do they not? I don't know. But I think the ability that getting Jerry Bynum back and he got knocked around a lot this year by uh, fans and look, he makes shots. It's going to happen. But I think Jared Bynum coming back is this lift that maybe that second half, like kind of a uh, gear that the team needs to hit, even though they weren't, uh, sputtering two losses in a row, not the end of the world against really good teams, but he kind of maybe hit a stalemate in the middle of this in the season. It's a long season for these kids, so maybe Jared Bynum kind of gives you that energy you need to get down the stretch. Yeah, I agree. I, I would say I, I don't think losing back to back games at Creighton at Marquette no. is uh, no. is is much to to obsess over either. No. You know, Creighton's obviously surging. Marquette has the argument for the best team in the league right now. But, you know, it's the way you continue and build momentum going forward, which I absolutely agree with. Um, speaking of going forward, tomorrow night there is a, a huge matchup for the Friars, a road trip to Cincinnati to take on the Xavier Musketeers, who, as of today, will be missing Zach Fremantle for the next four weeks with a foot injury. This is major news. You know, Fremantle is second on the team in scoring with 16, first on the on the team in scoring with eight rebounds per game, very similar numbers to Bryce Hopkins. He is, you know, he's putting together one of the best cases for Big East most improved this season and or Big East bounce back player of the year. Peter, what are your thoughts on this? Does this change tomorrow's matchup for Providence at all? Oh, I think it a thousand percent changes tomorrow's matchup. Um, I wrote a blurb for this website, BigEastBlog.com, and I wrote a blurb about previewing the game, and I gave my prediction, and I actually picked Xavier to win, and I talked about how Fremantle, this came out this morning, so thanks Fremantle for not announcing the news, or Xavier for not announcing the news earlier, but yeah, Fremantle would go up against arguably either Ed Crosswell and Clifton Moore, and how cool you kind of game plan um, that against him, and you also have obviously Jack Nunji, who's another big man, so it kind of it, it kind of rips away their ability in their front court their two-man game with uh nunji and Fremantle. Fremantle 15 points a game eight rebounds nunji 14 7.8 rebounds but like you said he's in a tremendous player um it, it, it kind of guts them I, I don't know this is this is tough news i don't know how xavier players will handle because well could they have known this for the last couple of days probably but you find out today that your i guess second best player maybe their most important player isn't playing and one of the five guys that are in double figures uh on the season you have to kind of reshape um, how you play. And if you're the Friars, this helps you because they're kind of left with just Jack Nunji as their lone big man. They're, they're really good at the guard position with Boom, with Jones, and uh, Kunkel, and they're still going to be playing tomorrow. So that's going to be a factor, obviously. Yep. But after that, the big men don't really uh, 
do anything for me. You have Hunter, who's only averaging 14 minutes a game at six points. So you kind of gut their front court player. I, I, I think Xavier is going to have to kind of um, game plan a little different offensively. I don't think it changes the Friars' game plan as much. They're still going to roll out their same normal lineup. I think it's just going to make it obviously a little easier for the Friars tomorrow. I certainly agree. I am not reading too much into the Fremantle absence, as I think a lot of Twitter and the media are. Um, obviously, I'm not going to. I'm not going to undervalue it. It's a huge blow for Xavier, especially offensively. But on the Friar side of things, I mean, that this really doesn't change much for us on, on the defensive end with respect to the backcourt. Um, you know, Sule Boom is still playing. Xavier has five guys right now that are scoring in double figures. So Fremantle is obviously second on the team in doing that. But when you, you know, when you lose him, there are other guys that can fill his role. So, yes, losing him hurts. No, it's not their only scoring option. You know, I think yeah. if you look at the Friar side of things and it was Bryce Hopkins that was out, okay, now it's a different story. You're going to yeah. have to ask guys like Ed Croswell, like Devin Carter, who are scoring in double figures, but not at the at the clip that Hopkins is doing it. So I do think it changes things. I think Hopkins is going to have some ease at the four spot because that's where Xavier likes to play Fremantle. Um, but with respect to the backcourt, you know, I think Bynum, Breed, and Carter are going to have their hands full with, you know, Sule Boom, Adam Conkle, Kobe Jones on the wing. You know, I think Xavier still has other pieces that can make this go. Um, I think another storyline to look at here is, you know, Xavier has been kind of on a skid lately, you know, lost to DePaul, got doors beat off him by Creighton. And, and Peter, I have, I have a fun fact for you right now. I'm taking on the Matt St. Jean role with the fun <laughs> facts. Um, Xavier has not lost back-to-back games since November. Do you know who the two teams they lost back-to-back games were? Oh. Not gonna are they big teams or are they Duke and Gonzaga? That's big teams, yeah. Yeah, that's gonna do it for you. And since then, Xavier's gone on a tremendous run, you know, talked themselves into the national conversation, into the conversation for Big East, you know, regular season champions. And then this happens, you know, they just lost to Creighton. I was expecting Xavier to come into this one hungry, looking for a bounce back. What do you what are your thoughts with this now? You know, knowing that and knowing everything about Fremantle. What does this change your perception for what happens tomorrow night? Um, I would say I would say a little. I still think this is going to be an absolute dogfight for the Friars. I think, like, I agree with you. I think Fremantle, you lose, you lose Fremantle, obviously, fifteen points a game, but you have three guards that can all legit score. Um, and they've proven it this year. And you also have Jerome Hunter, who comes off the bench. He's a six eight uh, forward. He's averaging six points a game, but in fourteen minutes. So if you do what. He, how many minutes Fremantle plays in 28? That would obviously double his figures. That'd be 12 points a game. So maybe Hunter can, uh, Jerome Hunter can score off the bench or he might be in the starting lineup tomorrow night for Xavier. I, I think I picked the Friars to lose tomorrow. I think this is the series or this matchup between these two teams are the teams that, that are home are going to win the game. I thought it was that kind of split, in my opinion. This does change the how Xavier is going to play, but you're still going to go through those three guards. So if you're breed, if you're buying it, if you're lock, and only one of those guys are really good defenders, you're gonna have to obviously guard the perimeter. You have to do your thing, but this might be this could be also motivation for Xavier. Maybe like you said, they've lost a couple in a row. This is I'm, I'm not saying it's a get right game because we're not a get right team. Um, like Butler has been a get right team this year, so we're not at that level where we're like, oh, you play this team, oh, you got it. But look, they did lose to DePaul, but they also beat UConn on the road, and uh, UConn's a little different. <laughs> Then we've kind of perceived them maybe a month and a half ago, but they're still uber talented. They're still 
still ranked at the exact moment. they just gone through the Big East, which is a gauntlet, and we've been really fortunate to be 9-2 and two in Big East play. So maybe this is an Xavier team that's maybe like people kind of like, oh, Friars are going to win. All the Maybe the money on the betting side is going towards the Friars. I think that we could really see a motivated uh, Xavier team tomorrow. No, I agree. Um, I titled the episode Call It Luck because yeah. as, soon, as soon as the news dropped mm-hmm. – uh, all the uh, all the Twitter trolls immediately took to saying that Providence is lucky that we're not facing Zach Fremantle. I think that's a discredit to the rest of that Xavier team. Um, but but I agree. I, I still think Xavier can pull it off. They're a really good basketball team. And, uh, you know, I always err on the side of desperation when you look at games like this. You know, this is all the more reason for Xavier to come out and, and bring out all the extra stops to beat Providence because now, you know, you're looking adversity in the face. You're already on a skid. You lose your second best score. One of your best players on the team. This is, that's all the more reason for this team and the other guys to come out even more motivated to win. Um, I do think though, that this poses, you know, tremendous implications for the big East regular season championship race. That's been pretty tightly contested between Xavier Providence and Marquette. What are your thoughts, you know, going down the stretch here, looking at Xavier's schedule? What, what do you think about them now, knowing that Fremantle is going to be out for the next four weeks? So, you obviously got the Friars tomorrow, and then you got the Johnnies. Never an easy game with the Johnnies. And then you got at Butler. So, those two games are probably winnable games if you think it for Xavier. And then you got at Marquette, DePaul, Nova. See, I'm not going to bore you with the whole schedule, but I still think it's a Marquette's um, Big East regular season title to lose. I still think, I don't know the exact schedule time ahead, but I think they've had the more favorable uh, schedule. So I think it's still Marquette's to lose, but if you're Xavier, you still have to play for the Friars twice, uh, twice. You still got at Seton Hall, you got a Nova team, you got Marquette. So you got some tough games in there. And if Fremantle's going to be out a month, so if he's going, what is today? January 31st. So we'll say he's back for March 1st. We'll say we'll play that game. And that would be the last two games against the Friars. And you never know. It could be earlier. It could be later. He would be out against, obviously, the Friars once at Marquette, Nova, and Seton Hall. And I'm not uh, putting Butler, DePaul, or the Johnnies in there. That's a tough stretch. And no Big East game is easy. Um, you see, DePaul's beating a couple teams. Um, Georgetown finally got their win. So maybe the Big East, is, maybe the bottoms are kind of looking up at this point. But no, I think it's going to be a tough battle for them. They can obviously win some games. You can lose, lose some games. But even with Fremantle, it's still a tough thing. It's... It, Playing Providence, playing Nova, Seton Hall at Marquette, like even with Fremantle, like they're gonna be, they would be dogs at Marquette. That spread at Seton Hall would be very close. Like it's not that cut and dry without Fremantle or with Fremantle. Tomorrow night is gonna be very interesting to where we see the Xavier team come Thursday morning. If they beat the Friars, no matter what the score is, obviously if they beat them at twenty five, that's a little different conversation. But two to five to seven, it doesn't matter. If they beat the Friars tomorrow night. It also could be see how maybe how good this Xavier team is because then you would beat a ranked team without you can argue their best player. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think you make some great points there, and you're totally right. Playing any team on any given night in the Big East is the pain in the ass. I'll just say it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's certainly not easy whether you're DePaul, whether you're Xavier. It, you know, no matter who you're playing, it's tough. I do think from the Friar side of things, this certainly changes the way you look at this stretch of games here. Coming out of that road trip to the Midwest where you lost back-to-back at Creighton, at Marquette, I know Matt and I certainly talked about this. We looked at this five-game stretch, home against DePaul, home against Butler, at Villanova, at Xavier, home against Georgetown. We looked at this at a potential 4-1 and opportunity. 
I think, you know, this Xavier game has a little bit of a different luster to it now. I know before yeah. I said it doesn't change much, but it, it does change a little. I think there's a different luster to the Xavier game now where the opportunity or the window of opportunity to steal another road win is a little bit larger. I don't think that, you know, it's going to be that much different, but the opportunity, the door is cracked a little bit further. So this could be a four and one trip to a five and one trip over the, the course of the five games. So I think for the Friars, the Big East regular season title race is still on. And, you know, it, the chances have gone up. How, how far they've gone up, who's to say? Because this is a Xavier team that could come out really motivated or they could come out and, and lay a goose egg at home. Yeah, hundred percent. Like after, like I agree with you that stretch because then after Xavier you have Georgetown, which obviously should be a win. But then you got to go at the Johnnies. You host Creighton, which is Valentine's Day, so we got to pink out uh, in Friartown, which is going to be awesome. But then you got Villanova at UConn. You get Georgetown again, and then you end with Xavier at Seton Hall. So like that stretch, like you said, it was probably more of their favorable five game stretch towards the end of the year because they got St. John's. That's not a cakewalk it's a new no. game at st john's at carnesecca like i think it's at carnesecca i don't know where exactly it is um but a new game i think that's at the garden okay so new game at the garden you know it's gonna be packed maybe st john's trying to get back into maybe that bubble conversation you never know um new game it's hard to get up for and st john's plays a style of play where it's, it's difficult they're they're a super aggressive team but yeah i agree i think tomorrow night if the friars can steal victory it's still stealing a victory in my opinion even without Fremantle. Um, you can say whatever it is, but if you beat Xavier on the road, it kind of gives you that little, maybe a little uh, jump over them um, in that Big East standings. And even if you don't get the one seed or win Big East regular season title, the two seed uh, looks a lot better than the three seed because I don't know the exact um, standings at the moment, but I think is UConn in six? UConn would be in six. So if they would win their first round or first round game, you would get UConn at the Garden as a three right now. I want no part of it. I want no part of it, in my opinion. As a two seed, you would get the either Nova or Butler. I don't know even if I want any part of Nova anyway. So maybe I don't want any of that. Maybe I don't want Nova or UConn. And you're not going to – obviously, you're going to get one of them potentially. So, look, you just look at the biggies, how complicated it is and how hard it is. If you're – because you could be a two seed and you can get Nova in the quarterfinals in the biggies tournament. And I know that's projecting, but that's that would be – that's insane. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's tough outs across the board here. I mean, if, if you look at the, the timelines, the Justin Moore returning from injury, by the time March comes around, the, the Big East is going to look completely different than it does right now, yeah. as it does every year. Um, rounding out here, you know, Peter, on the Friar side of things, keys to success for tomorrow and then your predictions. Keys to success, I would say perimeter play. I think it's still going to have to come down to the Friars guards versus Xavier's guards. So you kind of exclude Fremantle. Obviously you have boom, you have Jones, you have Kunkel and you have Bynum, Devin Carter, Noah Locke and Alan Breed and, and Corey Floyd, who's come on the scene, which is awesome for the Friars. I think you're going to need a no, not you're going to need, but you're going to need what, what Noah Locke are we getting tomorrow? Because it's yeah, very that's, hot and that's cold. That's a great point. It's very hot and cold. Cause he doesn't defend. He's not a great defender. So you kind of lose that aspect when he's on. I think this team can beat basically anybody in the Big East and they're hard out against anybody in this country because no walk is that good of a shooter. But when he's off, it's it becomes kind of a stalemate on offense. So I think it's going to be the guards versus Xavier's guards. Whatever guards are better, I think, win the game. I think, look, Crosswell and Cliftonmore have been very good, but I think – I know Crosswell played a very good game last game, but I think Crosswell's kind of been on the – not downslip, but he hasn't had that consistent play. And Cliftonmore has been pretty good off the bench. Hopkins is going to get his um, get his buckets – 
And I don't want to see another four for 12 shooting for Devin Carter, because if that happens, um, I don't know if Jared Bynum is dropping another seven for eight shooting. I, I wouldn't expect it. So if Devin Carter shoots again, uh, four for 12 or in that range, it's, it's a tough win. For, it's going to be a tough win for the Friars if that happens. Yeah, uh, I'm in agreement there. I think, you know, guard play, backcourt play is definitely going to be the key to success tomorrow for the Friars. I think things in the front court open up a little bit without Zach Fremantle. I think you can invest a little bit more defensively in Jack Nunji. You know, you can go with the double big Croswell, uh, Clifton Moore lineup and yeah. try and smother him down low. I think the defensive play of our guards, specifically Devin Carter and Alan Breed, is going to be the difference maker. I also think late game and late shot cock late shot clock play is going to be huge um it was the past two games last year at xavier it was the final three possessions shot clock is turned off xavier has the ball in their hands with the opportunity to win obviously you know we don't have to rehash but we know what happened at the on the road at xavier we know what happened in the triple overtime game at home at the dunk this is a xavier team that uh, that returns basically Everybody from that roster, I'm sure they remember the way both of those games go went in favor of the Friars. Jared Bynum, obviously a huge factor late in each of those games, hitting the buzzer beater at the Cintas Center and putting up putting the Friars up five with a three at home. I think it's going to come down to the final couple of possessions. I think, you know, I thought Xavier was probably going to run away with it. Maybe not run away with it, but I thought it was going to be a comfortable lead at home. I don't think so anymore. I think it's going to be much closer. But, you know, the jury is still out for me on a prediction. If I had to pick gun to my head, I'd pick Xavier. Yeah, I picked Xavier actually win 77-74, so I thought it would be a closer game. I mean, you know what? I'm going to ride my prediction. I think I think Xavier sneaks away with a three-point win. I, I like what you said. Like, they're motivated. They come off those two tough losses uh, the previous season. Everyone basically is coming back. Obviously, like we mentioned, probably a million times tonight, Fremantle won't be playing. So, I still, I still think this is going to be a split. I still think we went at home, and they went on the road. But this becomes a major, and it was anyway. But this becomes even more of an enticing and major opportunity for the Friars to steal one on the road against second best team according to Big East standings at the moment in uh, the Big East. So I think this is. A, I still think Xavier gets the win. I think it's going to be very close. I think it's going to be a three point game. I still think they sneak away with a win, um, but. This gives this is a huge opportunity for the Friars. Yeah, absolutely. If I'm Ed Cooley, if I'm Bryce Hopkins, I'm salivating right now. Um, but yeah. yeah, Peter, any other thoughts? I'll give you a second to, to plug your socials, your podcast. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, so uh, obviously on the screen, I, you can follow me on Twitter, DBSC Peter. I will follow you back. And yeah, WDM Sports, I'm the main play-by-play, or I am the play-by-play guy for the whole year. Um, we'll be rounding out the year. We got Georgetown, we got Creighton at home. Off the top of my head, Xavier at home. Um, who else we have at home? Uh, do we play the Johnnies at home still? No, we already played the Johnnies. I'm trying to round the schedule off the top of my head, but yeah, you rest of the home games, Big East. If you guys want to listen to a student broadcast, WDM Sports, awesome coverage. We kind of give you guys more of a radio, but a fryer broadcast. It's it's obviously it's we're on by it, it's it's fryer skewed. I yes. used to work for WDOM. It's yes. totally fryer skewed. It, yes, we try to be un- unbiased as option uh, as we can like when we call in the games. But we come out of TV, we'll talk about the fryers. So we'll do that. So it's more of a fryer broadcast. But any home game coming up, be awesome. If you want to say hi to me at the amp, you guys can 
I'm sitting right across from the PC bench on the left of the basketball hoop in front of the student section. So if you're if you're afraid of the student section, don't be. Just walk by them. You can come say hi to me. But yeah, follow me on DBIC Peter and everything WDM Sports. Peter, I actually that that reminded me. I have another question for you. Yeah. Obviously, as a former student and the former co-founder of Friar Fanatics, I know Ooh. you know how important the student section is to playing at the Amica Mutual Pavilion. This year, it it seems like you know even for like the DePauls and the Butlers of the world, the students are showing out and they're really lifting the tall boys up. What has it been like as a student to be a part of that atmosphere? Obviously you're on the media bench doing the the radio stuff for WDOM, mm-hmm. but you're still in the building. You still get to be a part of it. I've only been to a couple of games at the amp this season. What has the atmosphere been like? Can you just talk to that for a little bit? It's been very good. Look, obviously the students are right behind me and they've done a good job actually this year of blocking them off. So they're not breathing down our necks during the game, but they're, it, they're still they're out there an hour and a half before the game. They make the buses student bus. They open the student section thirty minutes before they do the regular section or the regular attendance uh, to the pe- uh, normal uh, patrons. It's been awesome. Um and yeah, it's Fire Fanatics is still going strong. My friends, my friend's girlfriend, I think she's in charge of Fire Fanatics, so I talk to her sometimes. They've been they're doing great things. And yeah, student section is awesome. Um, it's a fun environment to be in. Um, it's not too crazy. Eh, it might be a little too crazy, but it's fun. It's a fun. And I think, yeah, most crowds, I agree, like the DePaul game, that was a Saturday game. That game was packed when I walked or I was in and as soon as came in, that game was packed. Butler on a Wednesday at 830 on a rainy, stormy night, that place was packed. And it's going to be packed for the Creighton game on Valentine's Day. Nova, that's the game I forgot. Nova at home on a weekend. Um, Xavier. So, yeah, the AMP is an awesome place to go to. One of the best places to go into the Big East, maybe the country. But, yeah, it's it's a fun, and they're doing their thing, and they're making it really tough. They're making it really tough on some of these opponents. But, yeah, yeah, no no criticism. I know one person against – I think somebody against the pulses, the student section wasn't great, some of my friends said. But you, know you got to be picky, I guess. But, no, student section is doing tremendous things, and hope they keep it up because it makes it a tough place to play. Yep, absolutely. The Amica Mutual Pavilion where ranked teams come to die. <laughs> that, name is, that name is still killing me when I'm on the broadcast and I'm oh, like, I hate it. welcome inside the Amica Mutual Pavilion. And I'm like, oh boy, this is tough. I am still not used to it. But anyway, closing out here, the Friars will travel to Cincinnati tomorrow to take on Xavier. As it stands right now, the Musketeers are favored by two and a half points. I'd buy that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Would you buy Xavier or you buy the Friars? I'm buying Xavier two and a half. Yeah, I, I, said, I said Xavier by, wins by three, so I guess I'm buying the two and a half. That game is at 6.30 on FS1. Be sure to follow at the Flex Hoops for all things prior coverage. Hopefully Matt St. Jean will be back for the next episode. That's Peter DiBiase. I'm Joe Howie. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And as always, go Friars.